0: And, uh, this is, this is the way it works. It's a, you know, uh, that book about it takes a village to raise the children. It takes a whole meeting to raise a new Alan on. <laughs> and you, that's what you've got here. You have so much support for each other that, you know, it is such a blessing to, you know, to be here. And the last time I was here, I had a whole stack of questions. And I love the questions. Of course, the, the best question was, um, what is Sue like to sponsor? And, and, you know, she's really easy. Because she never argues. The only time that I ever get dead silence on the phone is when I suggest that maybe she's wrong and Keith is right. <laughs> and then we get this real, you know, are you there? <laughs> and, uh, so, ah, <laughs> uh, okay, we got a question here. How can you encourage those you sponsored to share more? And that—that's a great one, because I didn't. I was very shy. I don't know. Al-Anon's don't seem to be as shy anymore as we were in the beginning. I, you know, my sponsor finally, after the six months were over, that she told me to sit down, shut up, and listen. She kept saying to me, when are you going to start to share? When are you going to share? And uh, so I'd say, oh, soon, soon. And every meeting I'd go to, I'd say, okay, tonight I'm going to share. Well, I didn't. And I would sit there and I would, everybody else would share. And I'd be the only one. And I'd say, okay, next time I'm going to share. And finally, I I said to her, I said, Well, I'm afraid to share because I might not say the right thing. And she said, You can't say the wrong thing in Al Anon as long as you're sharing your program. Maybe not be right for who you're sharing it with, but it's not wrong. And uh, she said, And besides, if you share the wrong thing, somebody will raise their hand and fix it for you. (laughs) So she took that excuse and. And finally I realized, and then she said the one thing that really got me. She said, oh, you are really something else. She said, you sit here week after week and you listen to everybody and you know all about them, but you're not willing to tell them anything about you. That did it. I started, then I was like injected with a phonograph needle. (laughs) I said that to somebody recently. I think they were injected with a phonograph needle. They didn't always talk. They didn't know what phonographs were, you know. <laughs> Nobody has a phonograph anymore. And I said, you know, uh, in, I told somebody they should clean their house up. And she said, well, I don't know why I should clean my house up. Nobody's ever there. And my <laughs> grandma, I was brought up by a grandmother and a great-grandmother. And uh, th- we'll see how old everybody is here. I said to it, you never know when Eleanor Roosevelt might knock on the door. <laughs> Most of them didn't know who the heck Eleanor Roosevelt was. But she was known for popping up any old place, you know. And I my mean, grandmother would always say that to me. You never know. <laughs> what are the key qualities of a good sponsor? A good sponsor listens. And a good sponsor is honest with you. And a good sponsor is not your friend, but, your, but is compassionate to you, doesn't give you any pity, but feels with you and shares from their experience, strength, and hope. Uh, you know, they, just being able to share what I, what I feel about the program and what I feel about these steps and traditions is so important for me to do because I learn them. You learn what you teach. Remember that. But those are the qualities that you want from a sponsor and that you want to be as a sponsor. Um, my sponsor was the kind of person who could alienate half of Al-Anon in Los Angeles with a sentence. So I was. Every, we were always defending her. You know, she had a lot of people she sponsored. And someone said to me once, why is she so special? And the first thing that popped out of my mouth was she listens. And I always said she listened between the lines. This is a good sponsor, really listening to what somebody is saying and what they really mean. I, I remember we had what we called a sharing meeting. Someone would raise their hand and bring up a problem and several people would answer from their own experience. and. She would. She would always answer. It didn't seem like she was on track, but she heard what that person was really thinking and really feeling, and that's that's a trick. And God willing, I'm really, I'm really happy that I've got some of that. I can really hear what you're really saying instead of you know, because I remember when I'd call my sponsor. I hadn't a clue what I really felt in the beginning. I'd call up and I'd say, I'm really angry. And she'd say, what about? And I'd tell her, and she'd say, you know, sweetheart, I don't think you're angry, I think your feelings are hurt. And we would talk about it. And then the next time, of course, I'd call and say, my feelings are really hurt. And she'd say, what about? And she'd say, you know, I think you should be a little angry about that. (laughs) (coughs) And that's where she listened to me and she taught me. She taught me what my feelings were. I, I had a thing once where she was there, and someone said to me, how's Jack? I said, oh, Jack's really feeling good. He's doing really not well. And she said to me, how do you know how Jack feels? I said, I don't know. She said, does he know how you feel? I said, I don't think so. So I said, well, what is the answer? She said, the answer is, ask Jack. <laughs> and, I, you know, I learned a multitude of things from that, that I don't talk for him. He doesn't talk for me. If you want to know about Jack, even when his mother was alive, his mother would ask me about Jack. I'd say, Mom, you're going to have to ask Jack that. And that's the truth, you know. So, you know, look for the things that you want to be and find a sponsor who has them. What's the best advice you can give a new sponsor. Well, just what I said. Listen, be kind. Don't give them the whole program the first night that you meet them. Be easy. You got the. You've got a lifetime to tell them about this program and be an example to them. Be there. Give them a hug. That's that's the greatest thing. You know, I used to. I God, I hated hugs. <laughs> I used to go early so I could sit, and I'd leave, you know, real quick. And today, you know, it's a whole new thing. And that was another thing. She watched me all the time, which is so great. A sponsor watches you, and they have a the ability to, you know, tell you what's wrong. And I, she, I, every she said to me one day. She said, you know. Every time an alcoholic comes in the room, you get up and give him a hug. When Jack comes in, you go, hi, Jack. And she said, you know, that isn't right. So I started just getting up and giving Jack a hug. And I, wanted, and I told her, I said, you know, the only reason I don't do that with Jack all the time is they, the other alcoholics, they just mean for a hug, you know. But Jack may have ulterior motives, you know. And... <laughs> And that's when I learned that I was—I had to build a relationship with Jack. That I was really afraid of being too close to him, and uh, and she told me one day she said, "You know, if your marriage doesn't work, it's going to be your fault, because you're the one who's building the walls." And that was true. I was building up a walls of. These were all happened after we got to the program. Because then I started getting afraid, that lack of trust, that he was going to run around again or he was going to do this again. And her simple thing for that was, where is he today with me? Is he drinking today? No. Is he running around with other women today? No. It's a one-day-of-time program. And one day at a time, I have learned to trust him and to hug him freely. So, you know, that's what you teach. That's being a sponsor is watching and being aware of what's going on with them so that you can share with them and help them to get over whatever the problem is so they don't get into it. She didn't wait for my marriage to break up before she said to me, listen, Jean, if you had just been a little kinder, a little more, uh, you know, open with him, it would have worked. Instead, she stopped that, and she taught me how to keep that marriage together. How do you know if you have the right sponsor? Can you change sponsors? Well, I always say, you know, I've been with Jack for 51 years now. I'm still not sure he's the right man. How do you know anything is the right thing? If you wait for the right decision, you'll never make any decision. Just make the decision. If it doesn't work, hey, we got a 10th step. It says when I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. No problem. But looking for the, as I said before, looking for somebody who's got everything like, I've got four children, so I should have a sponsor with four children. Um, I like to read a lot of books, so I got to have a sponsor who reads. Don't do that. You know, look just for the person who, the one who gives you the best hug. You know, that's the one, the one that talks to you, that shares with you. And, hey, if you want to, you can change sponsors, but what's your motive? Sometimes we change sponsors because we don't like what they're saying to us, and that's very, very dangerous because then you uh, you really hurt yourself. You know, uh, we had a thing where John came home with a paper to sign, this is early in the program. And uh, he, uh, he needed a, the paper signed so he could leave the campus at lunchtime. So I called, my, I called my sponsor for everything in the beginning. Believe me, I'm not that dependent after a while. I'd call her up and say, Jack wants to go to the movies tonight. Do I want to go to the movies with him? I you know. <laughs> so, no, I don't have to do that today, but... So I called her, and I said, John brought this paper home. Should I sign it? And she said, well, how do you feel about it? I said, well, I work. I just assumed he was in school, and I knew where he was. And she said, well, then don't sign the paper. Okay, I won't sign. So I went back, and I said, I'm not going to sign the paper. Well, I didn't know that Jack had already signed the paper, and he had promised John that I would sign the paper. And he was very new in the program. So he was, you know, reaching out, trying to please John. So I called my sponsor, I explained that to her, and she said, No, you said you didn't want to? Don't sign the paper. Well, they kept after me for two weeks. I was driving to the meeting, and I thought, You know, I have some choices here. I could just lie to her and tell her I saw, I didn't sign the paper. Or I could go to other meetings, or I could get a new sponsor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have to, you know. And finally I called her. I said, I think I made a mistake. I think I was wrong to say I shouldn't sign. She, and then she said to me a wonderful thing. She said, Gene, it is better to be wrong than inconsistent. And that's true. Be consistent. Don't say something until you're talking over with your sponsor and you know it. You believe it then you can say it. And that's another thing. Never say, my sponsor says. Or don't say, Alan says. If you don't have the courage to say, I said, then don't say it. Because you've got to believe what you're saying. Then you can say it. So, you know, don't blame it on, you know, my sponsor used to say, don't tell him I said that because <laughs> I don't want him shooting me. <laughs> How do you make decisions for yourself and not make your and not make your sponsor your brain without getting into self will? Um, if it's a little tiny decision like what should we have for dinner, I'm perfectly willing to make it myself. Or you know should I buy this or not buy that? I can make that decision. But when it comes to a decision that's important with my husband or my children. I don't make it without talking to my sponsor. Now, I don't have to do what she says, but I'm gonna talk it over with her. I'm gonna get her point of view because she's the only one in my life that's objective. And that's the great thing about a sponsor. They are objective about you. I always say I'm not so much smarter than anybody else, but I am objective about. What I see in you I can take care of, I can give you great suggestions, but I'll never see it in myself. I cannot be objective about myself. And I, you know, when I first came, I really did not like being called a baby. Mm -hmm. And everybody was talking about, the sponsors talking about their babies. I thought, oh, come on, I'm almost 40 years old, I've got children, I have a, you know, I don't, no baby. And as I sat in the meetings, week after week, I started to feel and realize how much I don't know. I still can't be objective about myself. I will not make a decision. I had uh, a thing, because I, I had to get a new, my sponsor passed away when we were 25 years on the program, so I had to get a new sponsor. I had a hard time doing that. Um, it's that false loyalty that a lot of Alanons have. She would have been the first one to say to me, get a new sponsor, have a sponsor. Don't be without a sponsor. And we moved down the South Bay and I found someone I really liked. But it took me about a year to ask her to be my sponsor. And uh, I, I asked her at the South Bay Roundup, she was walking into a meeting. I said, would you be my sponsor? And she said, she stopped and she looked at me and she says, you know, I'm getting old and I'm cranky. And I don't, t- I said, I won't be any trouble, I promise you. <laughs> at this time, I'd like to introduce and welcome Jean Kay from Redondo Beach. I never wear them. Okay, everybody get lots of questions, because you kind of fooled me. That was the format the last time, and I thought maybe you saved all the other ones, and that would be great. Um, thanks. Hi, I'm Jean Kissel, and I'm a very grateful member of Al-Anon. I'm one of those people who has come to be so grateful that I met and fell in love married and became obsessed with a cute Irish drunk. Because I, the life I've gotten, and I have to tell you, every time I come here, I do love you all. This is a wonderful place to be. It really is. You Be grateful for this place. Be grateful for these people. This is, this is what Al-Anon is supposed to be, and Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a fellowship. This is a fellowship. You know, a lot of people say, oh, we're going out for fellowship, and they're talking about coffee. Coffee is coffee. You go out for coffee, you go out for pie. This is the fellowship. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I sponsored and how I was sponsored. And this, I haven't looked at this pamphlet for a while, but I pulled it out today. And it talks about sponsorship, and it's terrific. It's a good pamphlet. If you haven't read it recently, you know, look at it. And um, it's changing an attitude or behavior pattern is a gradual process, one which is difficult for many Al-Anons and Alateen members because we have been affected by someone's alcoholism. And the first breakthrough came with our decision to reach for help, at group meetings where we found people just like us, people with the same pains and the same hopes. And for me, I went to my first Al-Anon meeting. I went all dressed up from work. I had a pad and a pen and a few notations about this man because I thought you all should know what he was like. And I thought it was a one-night seminar, and I would get a list of the care and feeding of a newly sober alcoholic. And when I got at the meeting, nobody was terribly interested in hearing about him. They kept saying things to me like, how are you? How's everything going? Uh, Oh, let me tell you about Jack and what he's not doing, you know? And, um, but they weren't interested. They kept, you know, this thing. And there was one woman came up to me. She had red hair and a German accent and she said to me, who's the problem drinker you're coming to Al-Anon for? And I said, it's my husband. That's the first time I ever said it. And I love that woman from that day to this. And I have never been ashamed of loving an alcoholic. And she became my sponsor. And I loved her for 25 years until she passed away. But she taught me everything. And I sponsor hopefully the way she sponsored. Uh, She didn't, you know, she was very honest, uh, but she sponsored everybody differently. And I, I, one time I was sort of standing on the side and she said something to somebody and I said, you didn't tell me that. She said, Jean, everybody is different. You don't sponsor them the same way. It's just like all your children are different. You know, so, you know, what you say to one person, you might not say to another person. She was always very nice to me, but very firm. And uh, she she had a strange way of sponsoring me. She uh, never said anything right out. You know, she always put me through a lot of painful trying. Um, I, I didn't, I'm from the old school where they told you, for the first six months, sit down, shut up, and listen. And uh, so I didn't say much for the first six months that I was in the program. And it was about—it was six months later when I decided that you really ought to know what Jack was like and what he was not doing and his defects of character. So I made notes and I went to the meeting, and I raised my hand and I said, "Okay." Jack Kissel's been going Alcoholics Anonymous now for six months, and he is no Prince Charming. And one of the Al-Anon men raised his hand and said, Has anybody told you you're not Snow White? (laughs) That had not occurred to me, you know, because I was waiting for him to shape up so that I'd be happy. So I decided that the meeting really didn't understand what I was saying. So I went to my sponsor on a one-to-one, and she always listened to me very carefully. And she said, uh, I said, told her all about Jack and what was not happening and so on. And when I got all done, she looked at me and she said, you know, you want to go to the dentist and get your teeth fixed. Oh, I don't know what that's going to do to make Jack better, but she told me a lot of good things, and I trusted her by this time. So, hey, if going to the dentist is going to make Jack better, I'll try it, you know. So I went to the, I had two teeth out here, and I had my front teeth doubled over. So I went to the dentist, got my teeth fixed. You know, Jack didn't get any better. (laughs) Nothing. So I said, okay, you know. So I went back. I said, she didn't really understand what I was saying. So I went back to her, gave her the whole story all over again, and, uh, when I got done, she said, uh, you have Kaiser, don't you? I said, yeah. She said, well, why don't you go get those moles taken off? I had a mole here, a mole here, a mole here. Well, that is, I, I don't know what that's got to do with Jack, but I'll give it a try because it's like a one-day thing. You just go in, they burn them off, what's the big deal? So I got the moles off and I waited a little bit. That didn't fix Jack. And I went back to her. I said, okay, I'm going to give her one more chance. If she's not smart enough to straighten Jack out, then I'm going to move on. And I went back to her and I said, okay, one more time, I want to tell you about Jack. And when I got all done, she said to me, uh, you know, you ought to stop biting your nails. It's a very bad habit. And I thought, this is ridiculous. But I said, wait a minute. I know what she's saying to me now. She's telling me that this program is not to make Jack better so I'll feel better. This program is to make me better so that I'll feel better. And thank God I got it because I think the next thing on her list might have been liposuction. (laughs) And so I started to take the program more seriously and my sponsor more seriously. I started to go to her with the everyday problems. That's the secret, you know, is to go with the everyday problems. Don't wait till a big emergency happens. Actually, if you go with the everyday problems, the big emergencies never do happen because you're so used to talking to your sponsor and working the program with her that it never happens, you know. And one thing to remember is that your sponsor is not your mother. She's not your sister. She's not your best friend. I had one Al-Anon who was very upset with me. She said, you know, all, my, all the other Al-Anons, their sponsors go to the movies with them and go out to dinner. I said, you want me to be your best friend? And she said, yeah, I guess so. I said, well, what do you suggest I do with Jack? You know, so I'm not. I'm not that. What it is is I am a loving person who's willing to guide you. I'm willing to share my program, and I assume that if you asked me to be your sponsor, then you like what I do. So I'm going to tell you how I got there. And a few times, I in fact, I did it just the other day. Someone called me, and she was yes-butting me to death. And I said, could you please be quiet for a minute and let me talk? I think you called to hear me, didn't you? Yes. I said, well, then, how about you let me talk to you, you know? (laughs) And she was just, but, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. As soon as I got done, she went right back into what she was, you know. It's wonderful because you learn. I learned patience. I I learned something else recently. I, I was really having a hard time with somebody. And what I realized was I wanted her to have my program. And she was three years on the program. I didn't have my program and when I was three years on the program. It takes time. But you know, it's a wonderful thing that happens when you sponsor. You learn what you teach. And if you share with people, you learn it. And how many times people have called me and said to me something and I've shared with them how I feel about it, hung up the phone and ran and done it, you know. Because (laughs) that was a big shock to me too when I found out that you know I asked my sponsor one time. I well I had this little thing where I would say I don't want I don't want any of your children to lie. There'll be no lying in this house. And then the phone would ring and it'd be a bill collector. And they would stand there and listen to me say, well, the reason I couldn't send the money is Jack's father died and he had to go back to Indiana to the funeral. Well, his father had died three years before, you know. But I, and they would look at me and I finally, I went to my sponsor and I said, how do I teach my children to be honest? She said, you don't teach your children or anybody anything. What you are is an example. If you want honest children, then you have to be honest. If you want loving children, then you have to be a loving person. And it's so much easier to tell you what to do than it is to do it. And walking the way we talk is such, you know, this is so important to be the example. Every morning I say a prayer. I say, please, God, make me the best Alan on today that I can be a lot of times i'm successful sometimes it's a good thing it's an anonymous program <laughs> because i wouldn't and um and it, and it, it there's a little thing in here about choosing a sponsor and uh you know we're we're tricky people we have uh, i discovered that my motives i never knew about motives my motives are terrible in a lot of cases and i There were three people who had some time when I was choosing a sponsor, and uh, I thought, well, I could choose her because she's pretty easy, or this one. And I finally, I did one of the most clever things I've ever done in my life. You know, my sponsor once said to me, you think you're so smart, don't you? I said, yeah, I'm not stupid, I'm not, you know. And she said, well, how come if you're so smart, you're sitting here? You know, (laughs) but I did a clever thing. I picked the one that I knew I couldn't give her any BS. I couldn't do it. I would, you know, she, I knew I would have to be honest with her. And that was so good because as I thought back on it after a few years, the other two that I had a choice, I would have, you know, I would have been working my program my way. Instead, she was, you know, I, I had one experience where I used to call her all the time just to chat. And something funny happened at the bank and I wanted to tell her about it. So I said, gee, when I was at the bank at lunchtime today, such and such, and she said, stop and wait a minute, what were you doing at the bank? I said, well, Jack mixed, mixed, messed up the credit card. So I was there straightening it out. She said, if Jack messed up the credit card, why isn't he at the bank? I said, oh. It was about a week later I called her up. I said, oh, you're going to be so pleased with me. Jack asked, now, I worked next to the bank. I had all the time in the world at lunchtime. It was, you know, no problems. Jack worked downtown. He had a new job. So he really didn't get a lot of time and the bank was not close to him. So I said, Jack asked me, uh, today to cash a check for him. And I told him, no, he'd have to do it himself. He said, wait a minute. <laughs> that's called helping. That's okay. You know, and that's how I learned the difference between enabling and helping. You know, I got to understand the difference. And I got to understand what was happening, you know, and uh, the, you, know, uh, uh, you know, and I am not, you know, and I also I can't have my, I, you know, I always tell people don't do this, don't take things up here because if you do, you get yourself all confused. <laughs> you know, a lot of people bring notes, and they're trying to read the notes. I'm well, I'm going to stop doing it. Uh, <laughs> because I'm really getting myself screwed up here with this. You know, you know that is a really important thing to know. When you, you know, when you make a speech someplace, you have all your notes and you sit there and everybody falls asleep, right? But when you're cheering in the program, you just share. You don't need any notes to remind you of anything because whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever I say tonight, is God's words. Because when I came over the threshold, I said, okay, it's your meeting, God, whatever I say. And, and that is really true uh, when I'm, I'm closing it up. <laughs> because I, I really get confused when I look because I made, you know, I underlined some things and now I can't remember why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> But I, uh, when I, we went to a, we went to a meeting and, uh, I, Jack said to me after the meeting, he says, how come nobody ever calls you? Cause it seemed like as soon as Jack got sober and he was sober a couple of months, people started calling him. He said, how come nobody ever calls you? So I went to my sponsor and I said, you know, Jack wants to know why nobody calls me. She said, well, I'll tell you why. See, because you just sit in the meeting, you don't share. How, why would anybody call you? They don't even know who you are. So I started sharing at meetings, and I started getting phone calls. And that's true, remember that. If you just sit here and you don't share with anybody, they don't know you, they don't know that they want what you have. You know, so, you know, that's, that's an important thing. And, also, the courage to be honest. The courage to be honest with someone. If I say, yes, I will be your sponsor, I have an obligation to you. I have an obligation to tell you the truth as I see it. You know, you may not like it. It may not work for you. But it's my duty. It's my obligation to tell you the truth. And if I don't, then I'm just, you know, and I had, a lot of <laughs> I had a lot of trouble learning that I had to do it. There was one gal I sponsored, and she was, her husband was an executive at Mattel, and uh, she was a librarian, so there was no money shortage, and she walked around with her eyeglasses, you know, with string around them, and she also had the dirtiest bra strap you ever saw in your life. <laughs> and, you know, I... My sponsor kept after me. She says, when are you going to talk to her about that? And she's moved up to Seattle, so it's okay to say it. And it was a lot of years ago. <laughs> and she says, when are you going to talk to her about that? And I said, well, okay. So every meeting I would decide I'm going to do it. Well, finally I got the courage to say to her, you know, you could, they're having a sale on glasses. Why don't you go? But to this day I've never told her about the dirty bra straps, you know. <laughs> And I'm sure she's still walking around up there with them. But uh, I, that's my job, to have the courage to talk to you about the things that I see. If I think, you know, when someone leads a meeting, you know, think about when you're new, when you come in, the only person you remember is the person who's leading the meeting and maybe the literature person. So if they don't look good you think to yourself, what am I doing here? There's no, you know, there's no incentive. And so you you owe it to the meeting when you're doing something to look good, to be cleaned up, you know, and we all clean up pretty good around here. But, and I also, I, you know, my sponsor, she would always, she was so nice about things, and, but sometimes I would run into a little bit of a problem, It's okay to talk to other people. It really is. You can share. My sponsor, you know, they always say, find somebody who's like you, and that's not necessarily true at all. My sponsor never had any children of her own, but she helped me bring up my children, except for my one daughter. She couldn't do any right. She felt that she had an ego. Because remember, we're not perfect here. We're human beings. She just that one daughter. So when something came up with her, I would talk to somebody else. And and that was okay. You know, in general, I talked to my sponsor. About, and I was so grateful, too, for so many things that she said. We had a chance to share very early in the program, mostly just because we were there. There were not a lot of, not that we were so great, but there was, a lot of, there was not a lot of al alcoholics, preteen, and Alateens that were all together in one family. <clears throat> so we got to share a lot. And she would say to me, watch those children's egos. Don't let them, you know, don't let their egos get away from them. And so I was aware of that. And, in fact, it was Christy... My daughter who said once, she says, you know, mom, we make it sound too easy. We forget to tell what the problems are in the house. And that's true. So sharing, when I share, I, I can't always share with you the success. Sometimes I have to share with you the problems. It's important for me to share with you that, well, the thing, the way I learned it is, Jack and I had a big fight early in the program and I went and called my sponsor and I wasn't upset because about what we were fighting about, I was upset because we were fighting. And she said, wait a minute, who told you if you worked the 12 steps and you went to meetings that you were never going to get angry, you were never going to get your feelings hurt? Who, you know, who promised you a rose garden? And I'm so grateful that she said that, because, you know, a lot of things happened over the years to us. And there are things that I've been able to share with people, like, you know, someone says, oh my God, I think we're going to lose our house. Well I remember when I was brand new, walking in the room, and one I'm saying to another, oh, you're going to get evicted, big deal, we all get evicted one time or another. And when they talk about losing a house, I can tell you, we lost our house. But I'm here, and I'm okay, and you don't, you know, you don't die from losing a house. And business, we've lost two businesses, and I have to, you have to know that you can still have a life, even though those things happen, and uh, that we have a grandson in prison, you know, he's in prison. You know there was an Al-Anon led our on one of the meetings recently and she said her son was in prison. She said, "I love prison. I absolutely love it. I know where he is. He's getting three meals a day. He has a bed and a blanket and he gets a shower." <laughs> she said, "I love prison." But you know, it's so important to be able to share those things with with the other Al-Anon's to let them know, "Hey, come on, work the steps." it's going to be okay, you know, but everything isn't going to be on the outside. And we were seven years on the program, and our 14-year-old ran away from home. And we didn't know where she was for two weeks. Well, my decision was, I'm not going to tell any of you about it. I'll tell you when we get her back, you know. (laughs) And uh, of course, I'm married to Jack, who's a big-mouth Irishman. He's a kind of alcoholic that walks by the refrigerator and says, Hi, refrigerator. I'm an alcoholic, you know. <laughs> so, of course, he told everybody. And, you know, he was right and I was wrong. Because there wasn't any one of you who ever said anything to me like I thought that you were going to tell me I was a bad mother. Instead, you put your arms around me and you got me through it. And we talked to people on the program, Sam and Ann Hardy, who told us, what to do and how to handle it. And that was so important. So I can share that with people. I can share with them that, you know, if you have trouble with your children, there are solutions. There are things that you can do to make it okay. And, uh, you know, should I pick this up again? See what I missed? what I miss? These are 12 traditions, I don't need that. What is? Oh, another good thing that this, this is a good pamphlet, by the way. Uh, but don't try to do it the way I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> um, the other thing, too, that this reminds me of is when you start to sponsor someone, don't give them everything at once because they can't handle it. They never hear more than a sentence. You know, a sentence a week is about all they can do. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was hospitality for my Friday night meeting when I was brand new. I was so honored. They let me do the, they let me make the I had the best hot water in West Hollywood. <laughs> it was great. But I got there very early, and a man came in, and he asked me about Al-Anon. Well, I told him all about Al-Anon. And when I got done, he said, is there a place near I can get some cigarettes? I said, yeah, up at the corner. Well, he left and we never did see him again. (laughs) And I always thought, what did I say? And what I said was too much because I was giving him more than he could handle. So you got to be easy with new people. You got to take it. I mean, the steps are so important, but the first step is the most important. So if we can just work on that at first, just knowing that you're powerless, your life is unmanageable, I remember working on that first step with my sponsor. I was fine about I'm powerless because by the time I got here, I was sweetly reasonable. I had no tricks up my sleeve anymore. But unmanageable, I thought, my life's not unmanageable. I'm in charge. I got the job. I've got the health insurance. I, I take care of the house. I take care of the kids. My life's not unmanageable. And then my sponsor said, well, let's break that down. And this is what you do with new people. You just take it a little bit at a time. She said, uh, well, what about your husband? I said, well, he's newly sober. He hasn't worked in three years, uh, you know, and this. Okay, so he, that's not too manageable. And then um, my kids that I was so proud of, they were, uh, all of them had big problems. The house that we rented that I was talking about, we were three months behind in the rent and it was falling apart. And I finally got it. I understood then. When she made me break it down, my life is not manageable. You know? And and I was able to accept that I really needed to work that step, that I was powerless. My life was unmanageable. But it was a slow process. She didn't say to me, All right, the third the first step. You're powerless and your life is unmanageable. Because I didn't believe it. But she worked with me on that step. So you got to take it slow with new people. Once you've got them and they're working the program and they're coming to meetings, then they better work the steps. Then I'll push you a little bit. I'll say, hey, you know we're stuck on three here. When are we going to do four and five? And I learned that too from my sponsor because she didn't push me too much. But I called her up one day and I said, you know, everything is okay, but nothing is changing. Nothing is different. What you know? What's I? I don't seem to be going anyplace. And she said to me, four and five, and that's all she said. And so I did the fourth and the fifth step. And then from the fifth step, you can sh- you start to share with them. When you're hearing the fifth step, about the sixth and seventh, you start to say, now, these are things that we're going to work on in this next two steps. And, and then, of course, they all want to make amends immediately. And you say, no, we do it in order. We'll make those amends when we get to them, you know. You don't have to worry about it now. And I, I remember making a list of people I wanted to make amends to, and my sponsor started crossing off. I thought, oh, boy, I'm really better than I thought I was. And then she started adding on, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> the ones I, you know, she knew which ones I really had to make amends to. And uh, the amends are such an important step that you really, you really, as a sponsor, you have to be very, very diligent about that because you got to make sure Because if they don't, if the person you're sponsoring doesn't make those amends, they're not going to ever be comfortable. And, you know, uh, my oldest daughter was the one, she was on the top of my list because I just really felt I wasn't a very good mother to her. I used her as my best friend, my confidant, uh, you know, take care of the children because she was eight years older than the next one. And my sponsor said to me, now, what are you going to do about amends to Kathy? I said, oh, well, I'm going to sit her down, and I'm going to say to her, oh, I'm so sorry, and I'm going to tell her all the things that I should have done. And she said to me, and this is where a sponsor comes in. She said to me, I think you owe that girl more than that. And I said, what do you mean? And she told me, and What the amends that I made to that girl were, I sat her down and I said, Kathy, you can continue for the rest of your life to blame me for everything that's wrong, but I will no longer take responsibility. She didn't like it. I didn't like it. And it was two years later that she said to me, You know, Mom, the best thing you ever said to me was, that I was responsible for my life not you and she said it's really changing and you know and then I began to see where my sponsor got it because when I did my fifth step I blamed my mother and my father and everybody else for all the things that were wrong and she could see that the amends that I would make to that girl would change it for me too (laughs) but it was because I was very unhappy. I, I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I loved living in the South Bay. I was very happy with what I was doing. I was happy with what Jack was doing, but I wasn't something re- irritable, restless, and, and and discontent. So I told her. I told her about it, and she said one sentence that cleared the whole thing up. She said, "Jean." Jack's idea of retirement and your idea of retirement may be two different things. And that was true. My idea of retirement is we walk hand-in-hand down the beach, go out for lunch. His idea of retirement is to work harder, do lots of plays, act, do all kinds of things. And you know something? I don't mind that. I just didn't understand my feelings. And she straightened it out in one sentence. I never would have figured that out. So I don't do a lot without talking to my sponsor. And I don't, you know, um, Jack had an experience, if I can share one of his. Uh, he went to jail once to speak, and one of the guys followed him out to the gate and said to him, you know, AA is a crutch. You've just got a crutch there. And Jack said, you know something, I'm going to take my crutch I'm going to go home to see my wife and my children. He said, maybe I'll even make love to my wife. You can stay here with no crutch and go on back to where you can. And that's true. You may think of a sponsor as a crutch, but it isn't. It's your objective person in your life who loves you, cares about you, and sometimes Won't always be kind in the way they share with you because they know that if you don't say it in a certain way, they're not gonna, you're not gonna hear it. Sometimes I have to be, what a, Jack heard me talking to somebody. We don't usually, we have a very small apartment now, so you actually have to go in the other room, but I got kind of loud, so he heard me. And this one little gal was so upset over something and finally I said to her you know I'm bored with this conversation if you're not willing to do anything about it then let's, let's just end this and I'll talk to you tomorrow and I came out and Jack said to me I can't believe how you talked to that girl I said Jack she wouldn't hear it any other way and she called me up the next day and she said you know thank you because I really needed you to say what you said because then I could let go of it you know, so sometimes we can't always be sweet. We sometimes have to be firm. <laughs> what I share on loyalty. Um I asked my sponsor my my sponsor asked me, she says, What do you want from Jack? And I said, I don't know, what do you mean? And uh so she said, I'll tell you the only two things you can expect for Jack. You can expect loyalty and fidelity, nothing else. Just loyalty and fidelity. And, you know, fidelity was no problem for me. That was a problem for Jack. Loyalty was a big problem for me. Because I, you know, if we were having a conversation and Sue said something and uh, I thought that she was upset with what Jack said, I'd say, oh, Sue, he didn't mean what he said. And that's not loyal. You know, I can tell him later when we're alone, you know, I don't like what you said to Sue but not when he's there. And as far as I, someone was, someone she had sponsored that she'd spent a lot of time with was really not nice to her. And I said, doesn't that bother you that she treated you so badly? And she said, no, Jean, my life won't change at all. And I said, well, don't, don't you have any expectations from the people that you sponsor? And she said, no. The only thing they owe me is loyalty. They can, you know, they can not talk to me anymore. They can leave. They can do anything they want, but they loyalty I can't expect. I can expect them not to talk about me and not to be mean about it. And that that's all you can expect from someone that you sponsor is loyalty. You can't expect a thank you. It's like your kids. Did you ever see a kid grow up, get to be 18, stand up and applaud you? (laughs) People you're sponsored don't applaud you either. They're always telling you about some, oh, did you ever do this? You tell somebody something over and over again. Then all of a sudden they come and say, oh, I heard a speaker the other day, and she (laughs) said, I want to say, you damn fool, I've been telling you that for years. (laughs) But we don't do that, do we? (laughs) How much on time do you spend with some? Oh, how much time do you spend with somebody you're newly sponsoring? Um, it's gotten much easier. <laughs> that Pathways to Recovery is a wonderful book, and what I do is I say, read the step, and then look at the questions at the end, and then let you and I sit down and talk about it and I spend that time with them. Uh, You can't spend a lot of time. You got a life, you know, it's very difficult. But if somebody is really in trouble, I'll say, come on over. You know, there was one gal early in the program who's, she was a a flight attendant and she got home and found her husband stabbed to death in a chair because he, you know, from a drug dealer had stabbed him and they took her away to jail because they always expect you know suspect the wife immediately and they called me and I went down to the jail and you know she said where is my sponsor and he said is she that short woman out there that's go yelling at everybody <laughs> but i took her home with me and she stayed with us for a week and she tells this You know, I don't. I didn't even realize it. Sometimes you don't know what's happening. But after a week, she said, my sponsor said to me, okay, enough of this sitting around. Now it's time to get back to meetings and share so that everybody can share with you. And I didn't realize that I had done that, but that's what I did. So, you know, sharing with them, it depends on the person, what they need, you know some of your children need more attention other than other children you know so you have to take each individual person and in, then you see how much time you need to spend with them on the phone i speak. i don't talk a lot on the spo- on the phone i always say my sponsor sponsored me in one sentences um i don't have long conversations on the telephone and people will talk about they'll say boy you talk to jean you're off the phone 1 2 three. You know, tell me what this problem is, and I'll share with you what I think the solution should be, and let's move on and go to a meeting. You know, how do you keep the anonymity of things that people you sponsor share with you when you talk with your sponsor i e when you reason things out um, i I think again that relationship between a sponsor between you and your sponsor, is so privileged. I always tell people I sponsor, bamboo under the nails, I will not tell what you tell me. Not because I care about you that much, I care about me and my program. But yes, I would go to my sponsor in the beginning, and I'd say, you know, one of the people I'm talking to has this problem. I don't know how to answer it. Can you help me? And she would. And she never, you would never have known it, I will do that with people I sponsor. I'll help them with the people that they sponsor. And it doesn't go any further than just us. And you just, that's where trust comes in. you got to trust. You know, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, they're all about trust. You know, because the one thing we all come in here is we don't have any trust. And so you have to trust. Sometimes the person you're talking to needs to go to their sponsor, and it's okay. You know, I. you may disagree with that, but I I feel it's okay. I'm willing to help people. Uh, share how you don't get personally involved in the problems of people you sponsor. How do you stay detached? There was one girl who used to call me up in the beginning, and uh, every time I talked to her, I'd have a fight with Jack. He hadn't done anything. <laughs> but... Uh, so I told my sponsor about it. She says, I have a suggestion. I think you better not talk to her that much. She better move on to somebody else. Um, and if you wake up in the middle of the night, straight up, and say, Oh, God, thinking about somebody else's problem, that's wrong because you're not really helping them or you. So, uh, your detachment is. You know, the Allatines have a wonderful thing that they say and they say it for the alateen sponsors uh we can't change the children's reality all we can do is make them more comfortable with their reality and that's the same thing here if you're living with an alcoholic whether he's drinking or not i can't change your reality but i can help you be more comfortable with it if he isn't working i can I can help you with, you know, be more comfortable with that. If he's violent, I can tell you, I can share with you what I would do. I can share with you all those different things, but I can't live your life for you. I wish I could sometimes. Like, you know, like that one I was talking to the other day, boy, would I like to work her program for her for a day. You know, sometimes I <laughs> I think, boy, don't they ever hear anything? They've been sitting in these rooms why don't they pay attention, you know? <laughs> this is the last one. Where and when do I draw the line between being a sponsor and a friend? That again is, if you can be friends with someone, I had a terrible experience with that. I was very friendly with someone. I mean, I. they came to our house, they ate, they, we took care of them. We bought their baby, the thing, everything went, because at that time Jack had his business, and I was her friend. And I was also her sponsor, but it was very hard for me to sponsor her and be her best friend. And eventually what happened was uh, she just uh, she got angry with me and that was the end of the friendship and the sponsorship. It's very, very hard. You're much better off being best friends with somebody else and having your sponsor be your sponsor. Not that your sponsor can't be friendly, can't go to the movies with you if you want to, can't have dinner with you. That's fine. I have dinner with people I sponsor all the time. But while I'm having dinner with them, I'm not sponsoring them. I'm um, We're just there as friends. And that's the thing. And if you ever find that because you're so friendly with someone, you're not sponsoring them properly, and you know, then you have to give it up. And I just want to end with, I'm going to take this thing and burn it. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why. I really found it challenging when I was reading it this afternoon, but... uh, It's that, it's, uh, you know, it's really, well, you know, I said most of the things that I underlined here. Yeah, I did it, I did it. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) It's a good one. Um, But I'm not going to show you what I underlined. Um, I love being a sponsor. I love being able to care for someone and to share with them. And I grow from it. I grow because when I share with you, I know that I'm going to do that too. And I love, you know, I love being able to feel good about myself. And if I hang up the phone and you feel better, then I feel better. And when I share with you in a meeting, if I see your head going like this, then I know that I've got a, you know, I have a purpose. I love this program so much that being able to share it that way has just been just a blessing. And I always say, I just came here, and all I wanted out of this program was a list on what to do for the care and feeding of a newly sober alcoholic. And instead, what I got was this glorious life, and I'm forever grateful. Thank you.